0: Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine. Meet them, greet them, em, and street em. Today's date is February 15th, 2023, and I am your skeptical host, Dennis Wren. The title of today's episode is, Say Bye 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 to Bicarb for Pediatric in-Hospital Cardiac Arrest. And I'm excited to be joined by our guest skeptic, Dr. Carly Myers, who is a pediatric critical care attending at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. Dr. Myers, welcome to Peds.
1: Thanks, Dr. Wren. Always a pleasure to be here and hear you refer to InSync so early in the morning.
0: Oh yes. I thought it was fitting given that we're recording this the day after Valentine's Day. And I do hope that you had a great Valentine's Day. But I think the topic we're talking about today really gets to the heart of the matter, if you will. I understand you brought us a case.
1: Indeed. A six-month-old boy presents to the emergency department with three days of worsening cough, cold symptoms, and fever. Parents note that he had been progressively more tired and difficult to arouse. He is found to be in hypoxic respiratory failure and septic shock. Intravenous access is obtained. He is quickly intubated. Despite multiple fluid boluses, he remains hypotensive and is started on vasoactive support. His blood gas reveals a mixed respiratory and metabolic acidosis, with a lactate of 5. Despite your best efforts, he has an episode of agitation leading to hypoxia and subsequent cardiac arrest. Your team quickly begins high quality cardiopulmonary resuscitation and an arterial blood gas is obtained demonstrating a pH of 7.0, a PaCO2 of 70, a PaO2 of 28, a bicarb of 7, a base deficit of minus 10, and a lactate of 10. A team member quickly asks if you want to administer some sodium bicarbonate at one milliequivalent per kilo.
0: Now, Carla, you and I often manage patients in cardiac arrest, whether that's in the emergency department or the intensive care unit. And apart from high-quality CPR and early defibrillation, many of our other interventions lack a strong evidence base. But that doesn't stop us from trying to save the patient's life, obviously, but that can represent some intervention bias. The SGM has covered the use of epinephrine, vasopressin, methylprednisolone, and calcium for cardiac arrest in SGM 238, 350, and 353. And today we are focusing on sodium bicarbonate.
1: Sodium bicarbonate has historically been used during CPR with the goal of alkalinizing blood pH and treating metabolic acidosis there are a few key assumptions about the use of sodium bicarbonate. One, that low pH decreases cardiac function and responsiveness to catecholamines. Two, that sodium bicarbonate administration will increase the pH in a positive way. And three, the increase in pH will lead to improved responsiveness to catecholamines and cardiac function.
0: Yeah, but it's not that straightforward, right? There are limitations when we consider these assumptions because many of the studies supporting these claims were Conducted on animal models or they were in vitro. So, do we really see the same effects of acidosis and sodium bicarb in vivo? Now, Carly, I know you guys have a lot of fancy formulas you use in the ICU, but I'm going to try to keep things basic. Now, I don't remember much from chemistry, but I do remember one equation that seems pertinent to our discussion, and that's HCO3 plus. A hydrogen ion equilibrates to H2O and carbon dioxide.
1: Hey, that's pretty good. As we remember, rapid bicarbonate infusion can cause an imbalance in the CO2 across the cell membrane. HCO3 plus your hydrogen ion converts to H2CO3 and then to CO2 plus H2O. The extracellular CO2 rises rapidly, it diffuses across the cell membrane, and the reverse reaction is true. H2O plus CO2 converts to HCO3 plus H+, therefore creating intracellular acidosis.
0: Well, wait a minute. That's, that's not good though, right? Because increasing the intracellular acidosis seems kind of counter to what we want to accomplish?
1: That's right. There was a lack of evidence about the benefits and potential harm from using sodium bicarbonate in cardiac arrest, so it was removed from the American Heart Association's guidelines.
0: Yeah, and the latest guidelines from the American Heart Association in 2020 state, quote, clinical trials and observational studies since the 2010 guidelines have yielded no new evidence that routine administration of sodium bicarbonate improves outcomes from undifferentiated cardiac arrest, and evidence suggests that it may worsen survival and neurological recovery. And this association seems to hold true in the pediatric literature as well. So what's the clinical question we're trying to answer today, Carly?
1: What is the association between sodium bicarbonate use and pediatric in-hospital cardiac arrest mortality and morbidity?
0: And what's our reference?
1: Cashin et al., Sodium Bicarbonate Use During Pediatric Cardiopulmonary Resuscitation, a secondary analysis of the ICU Resuscitation
0: Project trial
1: that was published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine in 2022.
0: Okay, and let's move on to our PICO questions. Starting off, what was the population that they included?
1: Pediatric patients 37 weeks to 18 years of age who received chest compressions across 18 pediatric intensive care units or pediatric cardiac intensive care units from October 2016 to March of 2021.
0: And who was excluded?
1: Children were excluded if prior to the arrest they had terminal disease and were not expected to survive had a documented lack of commitment to aggressive ICU therapies, brain death, and out-of-hospital cardiac arrests. Additionally, in the secondary analysis, patients on extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, ECMO, at the time of CPR were excluded.
0: And what was the intervention?
1: The intervention was sodium bicarbonate administration during CPR.
0: And the comparison?
1: No sodium bicarbonate administration during CPR.
0: Okay, let's move on to the outcomes. What was their primary outcome?
1: The primary outcome was survival to hospital discharge, with the secondary outcome being return to spontaneous circulation, or ROSC. Survival to hospital discharge with favorable neurologic outcome, which was decided based on the pediatric cerebral performance category, also known as PCPC, of one. Functional status at the time of discharge using the functional status scale, FSS, and the presence of a new morbidity defined as worsening from baseline FSS by three or more points.
0: And can you give us the author's conclusions?
1: The authors concluded that sodium bicarbonate use was common and associated with lower rates of survival to hospital discharge.
0: All right, moving on to our quality checklist. First question for you, Carly. Did the study address a clearly focused issue? Yes. And did the authors use an appropriate method to answer their question? Yes. Was the cohort recruited in an acceptable way? Yes. Was the exposure accurately measured to minimize bias?
1: This I wasn't so sure about, but we'll talk a little bit more about it in the Talk Nerdy section.
0: Ooh, my favorite, favorite section. Okay, next question. Was the outcome accurately measured to minimize bias? Yes. Do you think the authors identified all the important confounding factors?
1: Unsure. There were a lot of factors that the authors considered, but they couldn't capture the rationale or thought process for why some patients received sodium bicarbonate and why others did not.
0: Was the follow-up of the subjects complete enough? Yes. How precise do you think the results are?
1: I'm not really sure.
0: And do you believe the results? Yes. Do you think the results can be applied to the local population?
1: I'm sure about that too.
0: And do the results of the study fit with other available evidence? Yes. Okay, and our last question were there any conflicts of interest in the funding of the study?
1: We did not note any conflicts of interest. The authors disclosed funding from the National Institute of Health, National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, and the Eunice Kennedy Shriver National Institute of Health and Human Development.
0: So nobody essentially was paid in baking soda or anything like that got it. So let's move on to the results. They included 1,100 CPR events in this study and approximately half, 48%, received sodium bicarbonate. The median age was 0.63 years and 53.5% were male. The most common pre-existing medical condition was respiratory insufficiency. Carly, can you give us the key results?
1: So sodium bicarbonate use had no association with ROSC and was associated with lower survival to hospital discharge and lower survival to hospital discharge with favorable neurologic outcomes.
0: All right, let's break it down. Primary outcome, what did they find?
1: Survival to hospital discharge was 42.2% in patients who received sodium bicarbonate versus 73.3% with an adjusted odds ratio of 0.7 and a confidence interval of 0.54 to 0.92.
0: And what about their secondary outcomes?
1: So two notable secondary outcomes. One, that sodium bicarbonate use had no association with ROSC, an overall of 70.3% and an adjusted odds ratio of 0.91. And that survival to hospital discharge with favorable neurologic outcomes and new morbidity was worse in the sodium bicarbonate group. So favorable neurologic outcome with survival at 54.2% with an adjusted odds ratio of 069 and new morbidity at 30.5% with an adjusted odds ratio of 0.67.
0: Okay, Carly, I've been waiting for this part. Are you ready to talk nerdy? Oh, so ready. Our first nerdy point is about the patient population. There are a few things that we have to say about the cohort included in this study. One issue was that they excluded patients who were terminal and not expected to survive the hospitalization. Now, the practice of medicine has taught me it can be difficult at times to predict when patients will die, and this subjective exclusion criteria may have introduced a component of selection bias.
1: Another issue is that a large portion of the patients included in the analysis had underlying uh, medical or surgical cardiac disease at 58%. That included congestive heart failure, pulmonary hypertension, congenital heart disease, and single ventricle heart disease. Sodium bicarbonate was used more commonly in the PCICU compared to those in the PICU. We're not really sure if this practice variation is due to the patient underlying medical condition or the specific medical setting that they were in.
0: And these were also in-hospital cardiac arrests. And I think we can make the argument that if outcomes with bicarb were this poor in the hospital, arguably a better place to experience cardiac arrest than out of the hospital, This doesn't really bode well for sodium bicarbonate use for out-of-hospital cardiac arrests. Our second point is about time-dependent propensity matching.
1: So the time-dependent propensity matching of bicarbonate administration wasn't available in the original database. Remember that this is a secondary analysis. The patients in this study may have received bicarbonate at different times. In the presence of time-varying treatment or exposure, in this case, sodium bicarbonate, The conventional method, propensity scoring, is traditionally time-fixed, may have caused bias because subjects who had early versus late exposure are treated at the same time. Any patient receiving sodium bicarbonate was treated the same, regardless of the time frame the bicarbonate was administered. After time-dependent propensity matching, the matched cohort can be analyzed with conventional Cox regression model or conditional logistic regression. For more information on propensity score matching, you can read Peter Austin's introductory article on the topic.
0: Our third nerdy point is about confounding factors. This was an observational study with only measured confounding factors that could be controlled for with adjustments. And that means we can only conclude associations from this data and not causation. Sodium bicarbonate use was associated with prolonged resuscitation time and additional pharmacologic interventions during CPR that included epi, atropine, calcium, vasopressin, amiodarone, lidocaine, and fluid boluses.
1: Yes, and sodium bicarbonate use was also documented more often in children with higher pediatric risk mortality scores or PRISM scores and VIS scores, vasoactive ionotropic score) both markers of severity of illness.
0: Hmm, so then this really begs multiple questions. Were outcomes worse in the group receiving sodium bicarbonate because of the sodium bicarbonate? Or because the length of time of resuscitation was longer? Or the patients were sicker? And what about all the other medications and interventions? The fourth point we wanted to bring up was the concept of futility. And when it comes to using sodium bicarbonate in cardiac arrest, we've heard some clinicians say, well, what's the harm? The patient is dead already. And we want to caution against this mindset. This is an extremely vulnerable patient population, and our intervention should be deliberate and targeted to maximize potential benefit and reduce potential harm. Additionally, spending time performing interventions that don't help can take away time and energy spent on performing more meaningful interventions. Our fifth nerding point is about the racial demographics.
1: Dennis, while this study didn't particularly look at variable outcomes based on race or gender of the particular patients in question, I do believe that race and ethnicity are worth mentioning in terms of demographics for two reasons. First reason being generalizability of the study findings. And if it's applicable to our patient population, and two, further examination of results in the context of equitable care. This is where I focus my research as a physician scientist. As inequities in care and care delivery exist, I think it would be really interesting to examine sodium bicarbonate use within the equity lens. We know that structural inequities and healthcare disparities exist across the spectrum of diseases and treatments, so we must be diligent in acknowledging these unjust differences, I encourage all researchers, not just to include race, but to examine the results within the context of potential inequity. A great resource is an article that came out by Zerka et al. entitled, An Anti-Racist Approach to Conducting, Reporting, and Evaluating Pediatric Critical Care Research. It was published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. This, of course, is not specific to pediatric critical care, but is a guide for those interested.
0: You know, Carly, I'm so glad that there's so much more work that is finally being done to examine and address these inequities in various healthcare settings. And I do want to applaud the work that you and your colleagues are doing to advance this area. And maybe we can convince you to come back on the SGM as a guest author and talk to us more about your research.
1: Dennis, I'd be happy and super excited to come back to SGM.
0: Awesome. Well, can you comment on the author's conclusions compared to the SGEM conclusion?
1: We agree with the author's conclusion. However, we need to consider the confounding factors when interpreting the results of the study.
0: And what's the SGEM bottom line?
1: Sodium bicarbonate should not be routinely used in the pediatric cardiac arrest, and clinicians should be deliberate and targeted with the use of sodium bicarbonate to address specific pathophysiologic states.
0: And can you resolve the case for us?
1: You refrain from giving sodium bicarbonate at this time and have the team focus on performing high-quality CPR and identifying any shockable rhythms. You give the patient empiric antibiotics to treat sepsis and increase the respiratory rate on the ventilator to help him blow off some carbon dioxide. He regains pulses and is transferred to the PICU for further care.
0: And Carly, how are you going to apply this clinically?
1: Yeah, so we know that there's limited evidence regarding the use of sodium bicarbonate in the pediatric cardiac arrest population to improve acidosis and hemodynamics. Additionally, it doesn't seem to improve overall survival and may have potentially detrimental effects.
0: So normally we ask you what you would tell the patient, but in this case, the patient is unconscious. So what are you going to tell that team member that asked about giving sodium bicarbonate?
1: After the patient stabilizes, of course, and we bring the patient up to the PICU, you debrief with your team. When asked about the decision to use or withhold sodium bicarb, I would tell them that there's limited data that sodium bicarbonate has significant impact on addressing acidosis and improving hemodynamics. More importantly, its use is not associated with improved patient outcomes and could potentially be detrimental.
0: Well, Dr. Myers, I thank you for joining us on SGMPs and providing your clinical expertise. I hope that we gave people a balanced interpretation of this study and nobody gets too salty about it.
1: So good to join you this morning.
0: And before we go, do you mind giving us the SGM tagline?
1: Remember to be skeptical of anything you learn, even if you heard it on the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine.
0: Talk to everyone next time.